Welcome to episode two of Pause, Reflect, and Learn with Katie. Thank you for joining us. I hope today is treating you well. In the last episode, we discussed charging the mark, which is the precursor to marker training. Hopefully that lesson went smooth for you and your dog. At the end of that episode, I provided a couple troubleshooting tips. Before we move on to marker training, I want to add one more. I purposely saved it for today, so this way if people are not listening to the podcast in order, that they still have this very important tip. What happens if your dog fears the sound of the clicker? And this is a good question, since this issue is not uncommon. There are sensitivities to sound. My dog Elsa is not a fan of the clicker, and believe it or not, Jessica's dog Tupper is also uncomfortable with it. And in case you are listening to podcasts out of order, Jessica Friedman is my business partner. Here are a few suggestions to help your dog overcome sensitivity to the sound of a clicker. You can either complete each of these steps or you can pick and choose which one works best for you. So first, you can begin by using a clicky pen. You know those pens with the clickers on the end that pushes the pen tip out so you can write and then disengages the tip when you're done with a simple click? Well, you can use this. Just click the pen and treat the dog as we described in episode one. You can also wrap a clicker in, say, two pairs of, sto- uh, two pairs of socks so the fabric muffles the sound. Remove one sock at a time as your dog becomes more accustomed to the sound. You can place the clicker in your pocket or behind your back to muffle the sound a bit too. You can also use the clicking sound with your mouth instead of actually using the tool. Sometimes that catches the dog's attention and makes it less fearful of that actual clicking sound, being that different tools have different levels of sound when it clicks. You can hold the dog on a loose leash and ask someone else to click the clicker in another room. And each time you hear the click, follow with a treat for the dog. Gradually bring the clicker closer and closer to the dog. Alternatively, you can do it yourself. When you're in one room, click the clicker and then toss the treat to the dog who's in another room. Again, gradually reducing the distance between you. When you are clicker training, refrain from doing so in a quiet room. Leave the radio or the TV playing in the background. And in cases where the dog really seems uncomfortable, you can train outdoors. I know we had told you in the previous episode that we do prefer that you do all training indoors and then gradually work your way out. But in this case, the dog may benefit from practicing outdoors where the clicker will be less daunting due to the sounds of nature and everything going on outside opposed to a room where it could be silent. And finally, if you truly have a dog with a phobia and the dog is not acclimating to the sound of the clicker after fruitful attempts on your part, and fruitful attempts, it may take you about a week. It could take several days, it could take a week. But if your dog is truly uncomfortable with it and it is scaring him, ask yourself, is it really worth adding this stress to your training? You can always use marker training instead using the verbal word yes. Another issue Jessica and I are mindful of is working with special needs dogs. Jessica rescued her dog Tupper with three legs. My dog was born blind. So we wanna be mindful of other parents whose dogs have special needs. A blind dog will benefit from the clicker or the verbal marker. A dog who will not benefit from the sound marker is a deaf dog. 
these dogs require visual markers. You would mark a behavior the same exact way as we described in this episode in the last. The only difference is that you have to use a visual marker, such as a hand signal. Thumbs up works well when I work with deaf dogs. Okay, so I hope those tips were helpful. Now we're going to move on to how we effectively marker train our dogs. Let's begin by explaining how marker training works. In marker training, how a dog responds or behaves determines whether the marker will be positive or negative. A positive marker is the sound of a clicker or the verbal marker, yes. Again, for deaf dogs, it would be a thumbs up. You can use whatever verbal marker you'd like. We prefer yes. And of course, a reward follows a positive marker. The most common rewards for training are food, toys, or affection. We suggest that you stick with food during early stages of training because toys may be too distracting for the dog and affection may not be motivating enough. So what happens when the dog fails to provide a desired behavior? So for example, you cue the dog to sit, but the dog doesn't sit. This is where you would introduce a negative marker. The negative marker would be the absence of the click from the clicker. And instead of saying yes, your negative verbal marker would be nope, no, uh-uh, or try again. And the treat would be withheld. The dog is then given another opportunity to figure out what's expected of him. All right, that's a lot of information to digest. So let's break it down to examples. I cue the dog to sit. The dog sits. I click the behavior. I provide a treat. For the verbal markers, I tell the dog to sit. The dog sits. I say, yes, I provide a treat. Okay, now introducing the negative marker. I cue the dog to sit. The dog does not sit. So therefore, there's no clicker and there's no thumbs up and there's no marker word. Instead, I'm going to go, nope, sit. I tell him to sit again. And again, you can use whatever negative marker you want. You can use uh-uh, you can use try again, you can use no, you can use nope, whatever you feel comfortable with. The most important thing is that you must move slow and you must do your best to help the dog succeed. It is frustrating to continuously fail and oftentimes the dog will just disengage. And that is why luring a dog with a treat in early training will help you find success. Now we have another important factor to add to marker training. That factor is proper timing. Properly marking a behavior in dog training is crucial. You must mark a behavior the moment it happens. So when prompting your dog to sit, the instant his butt touches the floor, you mark it with a click or a verbal marker or a thumbs up, and then you give the dog a treat. When teaching the command touch, you say touch, the moment the dog's nose touches your hand, you mark the behavior with a click or a, verb or a verbal marker, give him a treat. When you tell your dog to down, you mark the behavior the moment the dog's entire body touches the floor. So if you mark a behavior too soon, so while your dog is lowering his butt to the ground, but before it touches the ground, you go, yes, your dog will think that a sit means lower his butt to the ground, but he may never fully touch the ground with his butt. Alternatively, if you mark a behavior too late, the delayed marker will also communicate inaccurate information. So as an example, you cue your dog to sit. The dog's butt touches the ground 
then he immediately pops up for a treat. If your marker comes after the butt leaves the ground, you're teaching your dog that sit means touch your butt to the ground, bounce back up for a treat. Delivery of the treat does not have to be immediate. The marker must be immediate, but the treat can be slightly delayed. The dog's butt touches the ground, immediately mark with a clicker or a verbal marker, then offer the treat. Tell your dog to sit, butt touches the ground, yes. Then I offer the treat. People are often in a rush to treat, like they just push that treat into the dog's mouth, and that's not necessary. I mean, think about it. How scary is a quick hand to the face for a dog? <laughs> At first, you'll be luring the dog into position, so the treat will already be in your hand. It will be nearby the dog's face, so the delivery of the treat will be a little quicker. But once the dog connects the command to the act, you will stop luring. In that case, the treats will either be in your pocket or they'll be in a treat pouch. And those treats should remain in the pocket or treat pouch until after you mark the behavior. You don't want to start retrieving the treats while the dog or before the dog completes the action because it'll just be too distracting to the dog and he might lose focus. Leaving the treats in your pouch or your pocket means the treats will be slightly delayed and that's fine. It teaches your dog impulse control. Good things are gonna happen. You just have to wait a moment. So now that we discussed timing for positive markers, let's discuss timing for negative markers. In this example, we are going to pretend that I cued the dog to sit and that he's failed to provide the sit. So now I'm going to add a negative marker. I'll tell him, sit. I'll wait a beat for the dog to sit, and then I go, nope. I wait another beat, and then I repeat, sit. So it'll go like this. Of course, you won't snap. I'm doing it for your benefit. Sit. No. Sit. You would repeat this process until the dog sits. The moment the dog's butt touches the ground, you will use a positive marker, such as your clicker, your thumbs up, or yes. The treat being withheld is the only consequence the dog receives for not listening to the command. All right, I'm going to repeat that again. When we're teaching a dog a new command, the only consequence is that the treat is withheld. Okay, an improper negative marker is repeating the command in rapid succession. For example, you tell the dog to sit and he fails to listen. You should not respond with sit, 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 nor should you say in rapid succession, sit, no, sit, no. You want to put that little beat in between it. Sit, nope, sit, nope, yes. Always have a calm and kind manner when training a dog. Anger, rushing, and frustration will only cause stress for your dog. And training is a bonding exercise and should be fun. I want you to imagine that you are transported to another planet where customs and languages are different from anything you have ever known. Now, each time you are given a cue that you don't understand from the beings there, the person in charge yells at you or shows frustration at your lack of understanding. If this repeatedly happens, you will likely feel full of anxiety and fear. And those emotions will make it that much more difficult for you to learn. 
Now, alternatively, the alien takes their time to teach you and they do so with patience and understanding. Not only will you learn, but you'll feel a sense of accomplishment. Now, keep this example in mind when training your dog, because your dog is living with a different species who speaks another language and has different customs. You want your dog to learn and feel a sense of accomplishment when doing so. I know this was a lot of information, and if you prefer to read it or to watch a video, we have the article available on our website, iscdt.com. It's under blogs, and you can always search it in the search engine on the site um, using marker training, and it'll come up. And in that blog, we provide a video. You can also find the video on YouTube. In the notes, I will provide the link both to the blog post and the YouTube video because I'm a visual learner and it makes it easier for me to actually see what's going on and to read the steps. So I wanted to afford you that opportunity as well. Here's a final note for handlers who want to use the verbal cues to mark a behavior. When choosing a marker word, some people pick good over yes. And while this is not necessarily wrong to use the word good in marker training, we want you to consider the point in your training where you start to introduce duration work. Duration work comes into play when you want your dog to sit and stay, when you want your dog to remain on place until released, and then also at the point of training where you remove food rewards and replace it with affection. You would use the word good instead of the word yes. So we introduce the word good as a bridging word. Bridging words allow us to show a dog to stay without having to repeat the word stay, stay the entire time. Our motto in dog training is show, don't tell. And while this is a bit advanced for this stage of training, I just want to explain so this way you can choose the word before moving forward. When we teach sit implied stay, we tell the dog to sit. When the butt touches the ground, we say good. Good means we're happy and that a treat is coming. The dog is just going to have to wait a bit longer. We then follow with a release word. And the release word signals to the dog that they can move out of the sit command. And at that point, the reward will be given. As an example, I would say sit. The dog sits. Good. Free. And then I give the reward on free. So again, this is a bit advanced for this stage of training. But it's important information for dog owners to consider when choosing their marker word. And of course, if you like the word good as your marker word, you can always choose another word for bridging, like yes. Here are some troubleshooting tips should you run into a problem. And the big problem that I can see here is that the dog does not follow command. There are many factors that could possibly play a role in your training problems. The first is that your dog does not understand the command as well as you believe. Therefore, luring the dog into a position with a treat may help. For example, touch, where you place your hand next to the dog's face and have them touch your hand with your nose. If the dog was struggling with that command, I would rub dog food with my hands and then place a small piece of food between my thumb and pointer finger. I would hold the hand next to the dog's face, not touching it, but next to the dog's face and say, touch. The dog will likely smell the food and touch your hand with his nose to get the food. Once he understands what you are asking of him, 
gradually add space between your hand and the dog's face and remove the treat. You may also need to move your training to a quieter location. If there are people, animals, or other distracting elements in the background, the dog may not be able to focus on the training. Consider your treats. Is it worth working for? Picking a higher quality treat may help engage your dog. You also have to ask yourself how long you've been training. A typical training period should last between 5 and 15 minutes, depending on the dog's age. If the dog was responding well to training and then suddenly lost engagement, you may need to practice something new or stop training and give the dog a break. Also, make sure that you are enjoying the activity and that you're not rushing and that you're not frustrating because again, that will play a role in your training. And finally, for finicky dogs, hold off on treats during the day so the dog is hungry at mealtime. You can absolutely train your dog with her food rather than leaving it in a bowl for her to eat. We also find that keeping your dog on a loose leash while training helps keep the dog's focus. So we have paused and learned, now let's reflect. Today's reflection is on the words of Ralph Weber. Timing, the difference between making it better or making it worse. These words are absolutely true. Properly timing a behavior gets the results you want. Improperly timing leads to confusion and what the dog thinks you want. Once again, it was my pleasure to teach you to train your dog. Have an enjoyable day.